You are listening to the Live Better Show with Brett and Jason, where we dive into life crushers, changing their game, talking about wellness, and sharing a message of putting plan into action. Live Better is based on five pillars. Move better, eat better, think better, give better, and live better. We move for freedom, to do and go where and when we want. We practice good nutrition to combat an age of being overfed and undernourished. We practice mindfulness for ways to live purposefully. We give better as the basis for why we do anything at all, especially when focusing on the health of our clients and community. And at the intersection of it all, we live better. Health and wellness is the sustainable fuel to do whatever it is in life you want to do better. Our guests share their story, their mission, and the pursuit of having the best day ever every single day. Brett and Jason here. The Live Better podcast continues. This is Marathon Series. Uh, are you ready to run it? Ready to run it. Are you going to run with us? The marathon? <laughs> I will got, be at mile uh, 18. <laughs> we've got Robin here. Um, she is an amazing uh, Nike run coach here in Chicago, owns Edge, which we'll talk about um, as we progress. And we're just really excited to chat about marathon running, coaching, life, and pugs. Glad you added that in. Yeah, we needed that. (laughs) So uh, let's hear about um, what you're up to right now, um, and then we'll kind of just dance around the marathon just to try to keep Jason and I's level head. Because you're having taper tantrums, little taper crazies. We're having it all. (laughs) But we're feeling good. Yeah, so. It, It is the time of year, though. I mean, I think that, you know, we're 12 days out right now, so I know, right? Um, there's a like countdown. You're all the two weeks. Oh, no, it's Should less than two weeks. Miles before yeah. right? 13 minus it's less one. than two weeks. But, you know, it's just you, people get antsy. So a lot of what we do at this time of year as coaches and, and you know, individuals who help run edge or, or even just fellow teammates is just trying to keep your head on level. It's just you've done the work, the haze in the barn. Now just chill the hell out. In the barn. And you got to trust the process. And it's a very strange feeling, too, because even this morning at um, we had speed run for Windrunners, and they were um, talking about how their legs feel junky. And I'm like, I'm, I'm glad. And they looked at me like I was crazy. I'm like, I am glad. I don't want your legs to feel good yet. Right? We are talking about... Oh, that makes me feel so good. They're like 10 days yeah. out of their longest efforts like that it you shouldn't feel good yet you yeah. shouldn't be injured right yeah. but you shouldn't have any pep in your step just yet end of this week definitely in a week that would be perfect that's yeah. a perfectly time paper that that's all a, a, a successful race is is an appropriate amount of recovery relative to the amount of work you did that's it so peaking and recovering too early is not helpful so letting them know that those are normal parts of the process is probably 90 percent of my day right now oh just talk me <laughs> off the ledge <laughs> speaking which on the recovery thing right into the cold pool can you um so you own edge athlete lounge can yep. you talk to us about edge what you do at edge what you do as a coach just like tell people about robin yeah well that's i think there are far more interesting topics than that let's go um, full existential review of we, will, we will start with edge so edge is um edge athlete lounge we are five a little over five years old we blew right past our anniversary and did not celebrate it so maybe maybe <laughs> after marathon we'll have like an ice cream cake or something nice. um we are pretty much just like a one-stop shop for athletes for, you know of all types so we have a lot of diversity of athletes we have everything from general fitness people to a pretty heavy endurance slant of runners of course because of you know nike and and all of that awesomeness that comes from that relationship um lots of triathletes cyclists you know we even have, I think we had ultimate frisbee, like a professional <laughs> ultimate frisbee individual for a while. We'd end 
uh, NBA draftees for three years in a row for a draft camp. So literally every type of athlete. Our um, vision statement is that we make athletes that tear down walls and achieve personal bests in all aspects of life. And as cheesy as that is, we know that if the collective group right? Not just Robin, not just Robin and her husband, Ryan. If the collective group can make a stronger athlete, you make a better mother, father, brother, worker, citizen of humanity. You just do. You make a stronger athlete, you make a better person. And so everything we do feeds into that. So whether that's additional strength classes um, to make sure that people can right the wrong from their super sedentary lifestyles, you know, to making sure that our um, smoothie selection is on fleet, you know, helping them recover at the fastest rate possible to having the most cutting edge training and recovery tools at their fingertips, but all looking really, really approachable and warm. Our whole thing is we want you to like literally step in and, and feel like you're at home. And I joke that we trick people because it looks like a, it looks like a living room. It does. It looks like a living room. It's awesome. It's funny when people are like suffering in the space because I think they feel conflicted of like, why am I dying on this tempo run? It's so pretty in here. And I'm like, just keep suffering. You get those boots afterwards. Right. So you get a little bit of that risk and reward all rolled into one. But, um, someone once called it the cheers for athletes it's like you walk in and everyone knows your name and that's always it's amazing it's always been kind of what we come back to it's really cool you touched on something said like uh, a better athlete makes a better human being after and I, I definitely want to return to that because I have a question about um like the selfish pursuit of athletics especially with endurance racing yep. just due to the time but before I get to that on the recovery side what other um recovery modalities do you have at edge yep great question so we have the real like low-hanging fruit like everyone has um to start we've got you know foam rollers and hyper ice balls and every single stick and and (laughs) nugget that you can find that would be something really easy from a tactile standpoint and that's really just to empower athletes to know what the heck to use how to use it when to use it um, and then from there, we have all of the aggressive recovery tools. So I'll go through kind of the order that people normally do them in. So hot and cold contrast baths, we have one um, that's hot and one that's cold. I always like mess with people when I'm giving tours and, <laughs> and have them guess which is which. Um, and the cold is about 50 and the hot is about 100. A funny side note on that is one time my husband had flipped the pools and he just didn't post in our members group about it and we had somebody getting in the hot tub and it was the middle of winter so it was definitely like 45 degrees and it was sort of like when you drink Sprite or water and it's Sprite and you have that <laughs> yeah. reaction but like times 100 and like we didn't tell our athlete and he got in and he jumped right out and it was everyone laughed so hard he forgave us very quickly but it was really funny so <laughs> with the exception of when he cleans it um, they're 50 and 100 degrees uh, both of those are sea salt based too so they're pretty they're pretty fast at, at changing you know your your recovery phase Um, then we have every compression garment possible so we have recovery boots recovery core recovery arms Um, that's in as little as 20 minutes that you can effectuate change so you know you're looking at if you do you know contrast therapy about 20 minutes and then boots about 20 minutes yeah um, or core or another device Uh, that's just we really believe in pneumatic sequential compression which is starting from the outermost and moving towards your core yeah. it's just creating that beautiful little tidal wave of, of we waste. do the same thing with like the volt or any type yep, of like sausage exactly. straight yep thing. always go out in um, and then we have e so we have three four three I think um, compacts 
devices for anybody that has an area that, you know, like quads or hamstrings, something that's a little bit more localized that they want to give some extra flush to, that takes about 25 minutes or so. And then even smaller scale than that is going to be our, we have two low level or cold lasers. And that's a quick two-minute app. The lasers are awesome. We did those on the shins. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're really great for stuff that's far from the heart or stuff that is not going to get a ton of blood flow because it doesn't have a ton of muscle around it. So, like, joints, um, knees, you know, Achilles, anyone with PF. Lasers are really the wave of the future. They're just expensive. So we're happy to have two of them in-house for people to use. And they're quick. Two minutes, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, that, for me, was, like, unbelievable. That was nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what would you say is a typical, let's go with like a week for one of your athletes. Yep. Um, and you can, if you want to break it down, depending on if they're a triathlete and, you know, yeah, for an totally. Ironman or just, well, just trying to get strong. Let's start with, um, probably runners, right? Yeah. Runners may be training for a marathon. Let's start so with that. Monday is probably going to be either a day off or a easier recovery run, right? I'm probably not going to load too many miles on that. So I have no clue, somewhere from three to seven, eight maybe, if they're a faster runner type of miles. Tuesdays, we typically do speed, um, or um, the edge group actually does tempo on that day. If the mileage overall is lower, I like to do tempo on Tuesdays because otherwise it leaves a pretty heavy mark for the long run 36 hours later, right, if you're doing uh, Thursday, Saturday. So Tuesday, some type of intensity run, speed or tempo. Wednesday, I almost always write in strength. It's a really great day to do it because it's in between two intensities. Of course, you're not going to like blow yourself up strength, but just enough where you can, you know, fortify the fortress, if you will. Uh, Thursday is going to be that alternate intensity day. So um, either speed or tempo or inclines even I might throw in on that day, especially if somebody has, well, especially if they're doing something with a lot of hills, right? Or if they're trying to build up speed and efficiency there is no better work than that than incline work uh friday is either off or recovery uh saturday is long and then sunday is either off or recovery or strength and then when are they recovering right when do we write that in and i will like legit write that into a training plan i always say it's best any time is fine right there's no too much recovery that's an interesting thing that some people ask us can i do this too much and i'm like well no like yeah you just yeah, waste time. If you're, exactly. Yeah. You're just you're just going to hit reset and, and get all of that extra waste off faster and faster and faster. Um, you also get better at ice bathing the more that you do it. So <laughs> <laughs> Build up your nervous system. Right? It's yeah. funny when people take a break. They're like, this hurts more. Yeah. So I usually suggest that they pair it in tandem with intensity or distance days because that's really when they're going to create the most waste. So that's those are the days that we want to try to remove it same day. Although if it's busy and they don't get to it the next day, even that counts, right? They've just had a day for it to kind of settle in, but then they're still going to be able to hit reset pretty successfully the next day. But same day is best. Got it. What um, what have you found like for runners specifically on marathon? What do you find people returning back to the most often? From like, a recovery, from a recovery standpoint? standpoint, yeah. Oh, that's super personal. This is where I think... You know, we just brought everything in-house because we thought it was um, helpful to have a smattering, and we always thought people would use them in tandem. But what we find is that people get really attached to one thing, and it's usually the thing that they feel does the most. Yeah, so yeah. a great example of this is um, a now-turned-pro cyclist, female cyclist that was local here, uh, Daphne Caragana. She's awesome. She's one of our first members. She knows, she knows the science behind everything, and she would do contrast in boots. And then she figured out that 
if she was short on time, she could do ice only and actually feel the same. So she would go and do an omnium, which is like multiple cycling days in a row, and she would come in right before close because she's having to travel all over the place, right, and barely get back before we close, um, especially on a weekend, and she would just do ice, and she swore by it. Yeah. And for her, eight minutes in ice made her feel the most different. And so the amazing thing about recovery is it is the placebo effect. Even if all the science doesn't matter, if you feel like it works, it does. It does. Because your body will actually start to repair itself faster and faster and faster, and then it becomes not addicted to, but accustomed to that modality in tandem with intensity, and that's where people really make the gains. So my easy answer to your question is probably boots just because they feel the best. Yeah. Um, but we certainly have a ton of people who will opt for just laser or just ice. Um, it's really nice to have the smattering so you can compare mm-hmm. against mm-hmm. each modality to see which one makes you feel different and effectuates the most change. For me, we call them uh, boot babes. So I'm a boot babe. <laughs> if, if you ask me to choose every time, I'll choose the boots because I hate the ice bath. Um, and I don't love the core. Some people love the core, and we call them core whores. So, you know, ice bath queen, ice bath king, core whores, boot babes, you pick, right? But, yeah. but it really is true that people gravitate toward one. Yeah. It's really interesting because I find that I like different, different, different recovery methods to produce a different feeling, like, for different purposes. Yep. Like, getting in a cryotherapy chamber for three minutes is like my nervous system yep. reset. Like I just feel charged. Revitalized, after that. yeah. Like ready to go. Yep. And it's when I feel my nervous system is run down, normally due to like stress or work. Yep. Not really from the volume of physical activity. It's more like I just feel run down. Yep. I need to be reset like this. The boots have worked extremely well after running. And then I've paired that with wearing like a CEP compression yeah. sock because I'm on my feet all day teaching, sometimes for like three or four yeah. hours at a time. I was at a wedding this last weekend and actually wore those underneath my tuxedo pants. You know what pants. we call that? And it helps so much. Undercover recovery. Undercover <laughs> recovery. It was freaking James Bond of recovery. Mm-hmm. Got it going on all the time. The Superman on Recovery Superman socks, on though, I mean, they're awesome. And, and when I pull really long, like 12, 15-hour days, that is my secret. Is yeah, that wear it works. Those, it, you feel so much better. I mean, your heart doesn't have to work as hard to pump blood around, so it absolutely saves energy. When you travel, huge. It's one of the things that you can totally do, my taper crazy people, yeah. um, to really really help uh with that venous return without again your body having to work as hard and it's it's a nostalgia thing for me because i had compartment syndrome in both shins like five years ago six years ago now and after i got it i had always worn sleeves braces wraps growing up because i had so many ankle injuries and that compression feels good to me so i was wearing full length tights before they were cool before yeah. it was like a fashion accessory like when it was still all real compression you're like why are you wearing tights yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like cuz it feels good around my ankles yeah. around my knees so I, and then i started wearing that during surgery i got used to wearing it on my shins and then i put those socks back on the other week and i was like wow i forget just how good this truly make me makes me feel yeah but besides the placebo effect do you guys have any things that you use to measure true recovery like a whoop band or anything like that where you're saying like oh i have some type of like biomarker i'm recognizing or is it all just tangible feeling to the athlete you know i was on a panel with dr phil skiba two years ago um it was the best panel i've ever been on it was at the um, chicago marathon expo and afterward, I was like, we got to exchange info. I mean, he is the doctor for the initial breaking tube project, and his whole thing was pacing and recovery and how do you measure it. So he was so gracious and, and took my questions <laughs> probably for the next <laughs> two months because that's what we kept yeah. trying to get at as, as business owners who have a heavy um, 
amount of recovery that goes on in tandem with training. And, and he had a great point and it really changed how we looked at it. The way that you look at how well recovery is working is by performance. Yeah. Period. Full yeah. stop. So when your success rates go up, when your PR falls, when you meet your goal, when you aren't injured, that is the measurement for how well recovery has gone. Yeah. It's not to say that those other markers aren't valid, but the best one to measure is the actual performance. Yeah. Because you don't get a gold medal for like sitting at your house being like, my legs feel good. Right. And it's, you know, <laughs> you it's hard to line. digitize that too, yeah. right? Our bodies um, just do not bounce back the way, my body doesn't bounce back the way that maybe one would of a, of a professional athlete because we have all of these stressors and responsibilities on top of our normal training and yeah. your body reads all stress the same. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. So it can't really quantify that type of, that type of number. And yeah. that's where we look at the actual performance to know yeah. how well did you recover, yeah. right? There's no yeah. such thing as overtraining. It is under recovery. Yeah. yeah. We've heard that just pounded yeah. in so many yeah. times. Because what's interesting too is, well, I mean, like, and maybe this is a good time to sort of circle back to that like, better athlete equals better human statement. Um, because I agree, um, and I want to hear your thoughts on this too, but for the people who aren't pro athletes that have to return back to a job, the recovery things that you're doing for your physical pursuits probably also help with the stress of work life, right? Because if your body's reading the stress the same way and you're staying up late working or staying up late training or not eating enough, you're going to run out of energy for the projects you have to work on and also run out of energy on the projects that you have for Absolutely. your physical pursuits. So sort of along that line, from the people that are not your pro athletes, on the better athlete makes a better human. I have been posed this question a bunch of times, like is our athletics a selfish pursuit or is endurance racing a selfish pursuit? Um, and how that sort of affects the human being, I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Because I have some thoughts, but I like asking. Yeah, no, and I want to hear yours too, because it is a discussion that we that we started when we started our endurance, our own endurance journeys. <laughs> you know, 12 plus years ago, yeah. um, I will never forget that I just felt badly. You know, I felt badly we were missing out on things. I felt badly that, you know, we were training for, you know, whatever, 20, 25 hours a week, especially when you get into like Ironman and ultra type yeah. of distance. Um, and when we were done with that initial kind of round, I made it known to my husband, like, I'm not okay, not giving back more. So we now have a lot of volunteerism that's woven into what we do. And we have at least kind of one member event every month where people can either donate items or donate their time. Um, and that's, I, I had the same inner conflict. Having edge makes me look at it very differently. I think that for me, it's the biggest surprise. We always knew that like, yay, athletes are cool to be around, but what we didn't understand is what would happen from a ripple effect. So one of our axioms is to honor the sweat bond. And I wish I could remember which edge member came up with that or said it or, and I was like bing right it's like total aha <laughs> uh -huh, Oprah moment um, and, and that's exactly what they you do right? <laughs> you, get, you get a sweaty hug um, what that always comes back to is the fact that they have each other's backs so yeah it's a selfish pursuit but if I see you struggling I'm going to turn around and, and try to get you to run alongside me because right a rising tide lifts all boats and that is the stuff that, like, we could not have seen happening. Like, people traveling to Boston to cheer on others when they didn't get in by 20 seconds, right? And there's no that's resentment rough. there. Yeah. They just want to go and support their friends. And that's the stuff that we take so, so, so seriously because 
if you have each other's backs and you're both trying to become better athletes, but you can do it in a collaborative space where you push each other, then everybody wins. And it's also pretty cool for us as owners to have that stuff happening without us doing it. Yeah. Right. They're just stepping up and rising up and wanting to do it for each other. Um, I'm sure that our team is still talking about this, but last marathon at our team dinner, I totally cried in front of everyone, which we joke that I don't have emotions. Um, <laughs> but they, that group, I mean, at the end, they were so close, you know, and here's a group of like, I don't even know how, 60 people, 70 people, something like that. And they just, they had this collective goal. They never let each other down. They always figured out how to collaborate and make themselves better without you know, being jerks about it, and which I don't expect them to be, of course, but the fact that they genuinely cared, um, and it showed on, on race day, I think we had a 93% success rate of people reaching their goals or running their first marathon, and it, it was just, it was super heartfelt, super, super heartfelt, so that's the un, kind of very much unanticipated side of, of what we do yeah. that I'm so grateful for every single day, and it makes me feel a lot better about the selfish way that that it can go with running yeah. but I think deep down even runners they're doing it because they want to be better so it's just a matter of how much that's reflected in in what else they can do yeah yeah that's it because we've had a, a couple we've had that discussion with a couple ultra athletes mm-hmm. and with a couple pro athletes because um, you just take a step back and it's like, oh, I'm playing basketball for a living or oh, I like catch footballs for a living right. or oh, I run a hundred mile races for a living right. And, but at the end of the day, if you took that away from them, they wouldn't be the person that they are. So not, now you're just operating at 80%. And we have some of the same kind of like breakthrough moments like that, watching people on retreats, I think, especially after a week, you right. form this bond, you let them blossom, and you could never write out the downstream effect of those relationships. People are friends, roommates, we have people that are now in a relationship that live together. Yeah. Uh, we have, have a live I mean, better wedding. A live better wedding, yeah. Fingers that, crossed. Well, yeah, fingers <laughs> crossed. If you're listening to you too, you know who you are. Um, <laughs> And I think that if you take that away from them, you're not the same person. Like you won't be the same banker without your running races on the side. Yeah. And then that just makes your personality suffer. And then there is a downstream negative ripple effect from that. And I always tell people like, if you have a unique shot to do something and it's making you a better person outside of this, like if you were to take that away, you would no longer have an, a, a real outlet to make yourself better but also just something that you're passionate about. I think it gives you something interesting to talk about. It gives you a passion outside, so you're not just single-tracked on work all the time. And if that is your job as an athlete, like, that is your purpose. You should be doing that. If that were taken away from you, like, what would you do? And would you light up a room? Would you be able to entertain? Would you be able to influence the same way? Probably not. So, like, you better not squander it. It's like, that is your that is your purpose. This is what you're supposed to be doing. Even if it is a passion, like this is your passion and own it and then use that as a platform, whether that's just giving you more physical energy or whether you have a massive Instagram audience or a big charity or whatever that is to then go, out, go back out and help people on the back end. I always say that first and foremost, everyone is a runner. Like I do think that every single person is, is meant to run and that, that comes from, you know, my time at Nike as well, but at the same time, I really, in my core, I believe that. Um, anyone who does endurance stuff, I make it very well known to them, and maybe this is when I cried at that team dinner, <laughs> to let them know that it's their job, it's your job as an endurance athlete to inspire someone to do the same. 
Because I'll tell you what, on October 13th, when, when we have 45,000 people running and up to 3 million people, God willing, good weather, um, out there, there are people on that course that are watching it and in their head they hear a little voice telling them and it's whispering, yeah, that's what God. Yeah, I asked him. Right. I was standing there watching these yeah. freaking buddies blow by yeah. at thirteen miles an yeah. hour, being like, "Are you for yeah. real?" And there's there. It can be a whisper. Uh-huh. It can be this volume. It can be really loud, yeah. right? But yeah. if you're already doing those things, it's your job to look around and figure out who in your circle has that inner voice in their head and tell them to just fucking do it. Yeah. And. I'm very clear with our athletes that that is their purpose because if we can have that type of ripple effect, like anything can happen, right? I I remember our first Ironman on the run course exactly when, exactly when I ran past the athlete I thought I was. I remember it was 10K to go coming over Mill Street Bridge and I had this whole moment of like, holy, I can do anything. Yeah. Like anyone can train their bodies to do anything. You just have to be not scared enough to start. And, and I think that that comes, that was for me and my husband being like, you can, you can do this. Like you could, you've never done all the three things and put them together, but you can do these things. Right. And I had an awesome coach at the time too, that believed in me more than I did. And that being able to take that baton and then pass it on to someone else. I mean, there is no greater gift when you can coach an athlete and they do more than they think that they ever could. Um, it's awesome. And it also means when they cross the finish line, they know that they can do more. So it just, all of a sudden, that finish line becomes another starting line. It's just this crazy circle of life. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I think that that speaks a lot to the way in which you coach and obviously what you're doing. Um, so let's get a little selfish here, Jay. So we have our first marathon <laughs> coming up soon. Um, 12 days. 12 days. Um, I would love to dive into, let's say, a week out what that looks like and then once we answer that let's talk about the day off yeah, yeah. um so we're starting on the saturday yeah let's say this okay saturday so before. like this saturday um <laughs> what what we're doing is we're running the last nine miles of the course i think visualization again like i joke that i don't have feelings but i do think it's super important to be prepared and also anticipate feelings um, so we're starting at the edge cheer zone Woo-hoo. right before mile 18. You guys have to tell us your power songs, by the way, so our DJ can play them. <laughs> yeah. And then we, we track you. Power song. And then when you, we see you coming in and then we pop it on. Yeah. Um, oh, I need that. It's super wow. fun. Yeah. We have huge speakers that we blast all the way down Halston. We have to tell people to call down. This is my strategy. I would tell you my secret. When yeah. I race, I listen to a book on tape. Right. That's huge. When I ran yeah. by you and the, yeah. and the rock and roll half, yeah, yeah, a book on tape. That's good. What you're, were you your reading? book, Running with the Kenyans. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you like it? That little English buddy was just chirping in my ear. Yeah. Right by you. <laughs> That's awesome. You're in the cell. Robin, listen to your book. Oh, okay. What are you going to use for marathon day? I don't know. Probably the same one. I might just use it. Yeah, it's a great one. <laughs> I was just talking That's about awesome. running in my ear. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you're going to run the last nine, ten miles of the course, right? And I would throw in a few miles at marathon pace for the end for good measure. But it's a long stretch on the backside, so I think it's great to have those landmarks. Um, I love specificity of training whenever possible. So that is going to be Saturday. I would probably recover that day, too. That's your last long deposit. You can't really use it on race day. It's just meant to kind of sharpen that endurance tool, but you can absolutely run too much, so that's why I wouldn't I wouldn't even go double digits. Um, yeah. Sunday, again, depending on your volume, you could do a little easy run, something softer surface, and I would do something that's restorative to you. So whether that's... Um, 
contrast therapy, whether that's recovery yoga, whether that's getting a massage. I don't like getting a massage quite like right before race day, but I yeah. would do it a week. I would personally do it a week out just to get all of the kinks worked out. So that'd be a great day for that. I also really like boots after massage, by the way. It helps with that flush. Yeah. Um, boots are magical. Yep, yep. Those are everyday for Boots are magical. Sunday, Monday. Um, I would start on your race plan. So we actually have a post coming up that is going to detail kind of how we would build that based on your tempo runs. Uh, Coach Worm, Chris Worman, another one of our just awesome coaches on our coaching consortium, he put together kind of a step-by-step, which helps so much. Uh, and that's also a great way to, you know, stay busy because <laughs> you can do some calculations, right? So you're not going crazy. Monday could be off uh, or it could be some light strength. And then Tuesday, I would still do speed or sorry, tempo or speed intensity on one or the other. I would, um, I wouldn't do more than like two to three miles of it. And I would do a ton of recovery in between. So you're looking at like at least a one-to-one work to rest ratio. So yeah. if you're doing quarters at... 5k maybe eight of them right but you're going to take equal parts if not more recovery than moving time so that you can really get that blood and oxygen back into your muscles before you go again and that's just so that you can sharpen the speeds the speed skill again it's not an actual deposit uh wednesday i would do i have like a race strength day always written in it's not super heavy lifting it's honestly more mobility but it just makes them feel like they're doing something and thursday i would i would again do speed or um tempo something again really really short maybe a little slower like we're looking at half marathon intensity repeats uh versus 5k friday i would go to the expo don't go on Saturday. We're going Friday first. Yeah, it's just faster. Yeah, it's just faster. It's more chill. You can rock your compression socks on that yeah. day. Um, I would also spend some time that Friday, maybe looking back through your training journal and seeing whether that's you know on the Nike app, whether that's written down, like Coach Worm would maybe do because he loves his notebooks, um, and really look at your deposits and try to find the three that you thought were the hardest days. And, and think about what you did to get through those days. Mm-hmm. And then I always say put that in your pocket, right? Not the actual piece of paper, but just <laughs> have it in your pocket to draw on on race well, day. Well, it's funny you take yeah, it off. Right? You're like, like oh, God, I'm bad day. So, God, I should have taken my gel a mile ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, Friday night, I know we have the Nike race finale, which is going to be awesome. Um, I do think that it helps to go to races right about before you're going to race because you're going to be able to – the energy of the city is going to be picking up, so you might as well yeah, capitalize we're on it. We're yeah, we're going. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're uh, you're uh, you're not running though, right? No, no, okay, no. thank you. No, no, yeah, that's always a fun way. You Nikki can cheer. already yelled at us. She said no. <laughs> Good, I'm glad she told no. you no. Um, uh, Saturday, I would do shake out for sure, somewhere around three miles with some race pickups. I would absolutely pre-cover. You could pre-cover on on Friday as well, and that's really what we term of like hitting reset truly before race day. So, um, contrast boots and then throwing on compression socks. Right? There's no reason not to while hydrating, like, oh, Movo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I would just get feet up as much as possible. And do what's, again, relaxing to you. Like, yeah. is it watching Everybody Loves Raymond? Right? Is it reading your book? Is it, yeah. you know, snuggling with your dog? Like, mm-hmm. what is it? Um, and find that. And just, if it's not helpful for you to be around the fervor, you know, find your space. Yeah. Do you want to talk about race day? Yes. Do you like being around <laughs> fervor or do you like your space? This is I'm thinking one. fervor Friday. I'm a fervor. Yeah. Yeah, every race I've ever run, I like kind of getting hype, but this one's just so much longer. It's so much longer. 
the hype doesn't really help as much. Yeah. It'll help at yeah, 18 when I get a song on you. I'm walking around. It's like, let's go. we like, slow down, bro. Yeah. Ah, do a mile here. <laughs> yeah, we'll see people like they hear it and then they just start to slingshot. Um, yeah. yeah, it's really it's funny. I'm like, whoa, they're a killer. Yeah. Yeah. Easy, yeah. easy. I'm gonna like give you some like piano. Yeah, yeah. Like, put on Mozart and let's And yeah, classical piano mix. Yeah, exactly. Do not play Enya. Yeah, yeah. do it. Super chill. That would be awesome. Um, so race day, yeah. So just nutrition wise. I should go back to Friday. Friday is really the day that you want to try to, like, carb up. So if you're going to carb up, and that's hopefully what you practice on your long run. And then uh, Saturday, I would just eat normally and avoid, like, crazy, crazy vegetables because you don't want a ton of fiber on um, Sunday morning. So Sunday morning, I would get up and try to fuel probably two hours ahead of time. And no one sleeps, right? So Friday night is your only decent night of sleep. Yeah. So give yourself time to just sleep in on Saturday because you're not going to sleep. I mean, it's just everyone races on no sleep. Just get over it. You know, it's 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 just reality. And, and everybody can do it very well. So your body knows how to perform with um, lack of sleep. So I would get to the race probably at least an hour and a half ahead of time just so that you can, especially with a big race, smaller races you can eke right under an hour, no problem. But this one you're going to need to get into the corral, use the bathroom, do a little warm-up. In an ideal world, you'd warm up. And, and be started within like 10, 15 minutes. That's just not a reality. So again, God willing, it's nice and cool out and you're going to need to warm out, warm up. So I would do a mile, mile and a half warm up. Just again, find some space. You might not even feel that good warming up and that's okay. We just want your muscles to have blood in them when they start. Uh, and, and yeah, and then your start, I would say find your space, have a pacing plan, in multiple spots. So I always like my athletes to have either two watches or to use their GPS. It can be on, but to have it literally in, in stopwatch mode where they can hit manual laps for the first three to five miles because you will not get so you will not get a GPS signal and it makes people crazy and then all of them go out too fast. You always, 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 always underline three times bold and it's blinking. You will always want to um, negative split. A positive split is not going to do anyone any good you will always lose more on the back half running too fast in the front half than you will gain on the back half running conservatively on the front half and that you know 10 to 15 seconds a mile we're not talking a minute slower per mile right but the beginning is when you feel good it's when the crowds are super thick it's when everybody that tidal wave all moves too fast and that's where having an actual watch feature that you can hit lap on as mm-hmm. you go by those mile markers will help keep yeah. you in check so no so you mean like at mile one you hit it and I hit when my you get to mile two too. you're like oh I, that was a you 630 yeah too regardless fast regardless of what the pace yeah, says because even on the lakeshore track yep. where we ran track and where I run track on Tuesdays it's at least 30 seconds delayed yeah. this morning we were running three minute 800s we were doing 1k repeats mm-hmm. um and my, we were putting down three minute 800s and it says we're running at a 715 pace Ooh, that's really at awesome. sub six yeah so you're yeah. just like, you're like, what the hell? You're yeah. looking at your watch. Like when we were running, when I was doing the half marathon, the rock and roll during the summer, we got like six miles in and I looked to the kid next to me. I'm like, what does your watch say we're running? Because I was like, mine says we're running 830s. Yeah, and it's like, so mine says we're running like 620s and yeah. we we're actually running like 640s. Right, yeah. Yeah, you're always better off having a manual option. You just are because that way you have control over and and we know that the mile splits, the mile markers are correct, right? Because they've mapped yeah. the course and it just gives you control until you have your GPS back. Yeah. On marathon, do they do? Does it every mile or every five k? 
no, I believe it's every mile. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Cool. That's good. And that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. And it just, you know, the, they usually say marathon should be run and it's split into thirds. So like a 10, 10, six approach. And then that way, you know, your first 10 miles, you're really first five miles. You're probably 15 seconds minimum per mile slower than your goal average. And then the middle 10, you're hitting the goal. And then the last 10k or 6.2 miles you are chopping it down by a few seconds every single mile so that you can average out what happened in the front yeah and we know that coaches aren't dumb we know if your goal is a 630 pace and we tell you go 645 you're just going to go 630 yeah but the difference is is that if we tell you to go 630 you're going to go 615 your goal is to be as aerobic as possible for as long as possible you do not want to use your fast twitch muscles up in the first 10 miles of a race you are going to be in a world of hurt at mile 15 yeah so keeping blood and oxygen in your system as much as possible so that you can use your card and your card should be played that ace depending on what game you're playing (laughs) (laughs) your king of hearts or whatever um should be played in the final 10k full stop it's just it, there's an amazing bell curve, yeah, right? Yeah. I did a the, I did a half marathon distance on Sunday with a 10k fast finish and it felt great. Yeah, and it's mentally it great too, good. right? Because yeah, you can catch really people, good. pat them on the back, have them try to run with you, right? Drop them, catch the yeah. next person. It's just it's such a much better mental headspace. And also, our hearts love working low and then ramping high, right? So if we can really satisfy that that aerobic engine then we can actually use the the upper end of it. Yeah. And, man, there are some – as it's getting warmer, too, right? The day is progressing, right? Yeah. Regardless, even if it's 40 degrees at the start, it's going to be warmer at the finish. When you are in the – after mile 20, let's say, like, someone's doing pretty well. Oh, now no, we're getting the questions of how bad is it going to hurt? Nobody's getting through the – nobody's getting through the run feeling like great. You're not going to be like, yeah, my legs are fine. Like, when, you know, I can feel my toes hitting the ground. It's like, at this point, like, everything is starting to go at mile 20 what if you if you kind of if you're doing the middle section a little bit too fast and you need to hit the reset button and maybe you're doing like a 5k fast finish if like six you're kind of like i don't really feel like i can hammer six miles home from here like what at that kind of like mile 18 19 20 would be what are some good strategies just to like sort of hit the physical and mental reset before you're like all right i'm gonna hit the gas pedal to the floor and then when you do hit the gas pedal to the floor what are some good strategies? Like I've heard of people saving a little bit of food even for the last 5K because they feel like eating makes them speed yep. up. And so you're getting some of those like little placebo triggers right. to help you. I would totally – that's a great question. Um, I think from a mental standpoint, just taking inventory head to toe in terms of the things you can control that are going wrong. So if, you're, if your lacing system hurts your foot, right, then you're going to wiggle your toes in every – whatever quarter mile and see if that helps alleviate it right or if your shoulders are really cramping up you're going to roll them down and back right and wiggle your fingers and try to loosen them up so I would take inventory head to toe and see what you can physically do that you can control and change Um, from a mental standpoint I get back to breathing because I think when people are well breathing and nutrition so I would actually force a, a solid minute of running and trying to belly breathe at the same time so that you can really force in a lot of oxygen and then also force out making sure you're fully exhaling out all of your carbon dioxide because when people get into that chest breathing scenario and they have a higher heart rate and they're pushing the pace too much it's a it's a very fast downward spiral so resetting with a huge like yeah like birthday candle blow out yep um yeah that's exactly what it is though (laughs) 
Um, and that is going to help really reset your lungs and, and give you a chance at getting a lower heart rate, right? And then the other way to do that is through nutrition, especially if you find yourself getting like overly emotional, you can't do super simple math well, um, you're having trouble concentrating, throw some calories at it and see if that changes. Because most of the time, before you get to that true fatigue state, it's a nutrition issue. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're taking, for the most part, I know this is different for everybody, but most people are taking nutrition about every 45 minutes. Super personal. Yeah. yeah. So for me, I do every 30, and I set an alarm on my watch to make sure I'm taking a salt pill and calories in every 30. You yep. even take a salt pill even if you're not, even if it's not yep. all that humid or hot. You're yep. just like, just give it to me. Yeah, it's just electrolytes. It's just insurance, yeah. right? For me, that works. Um, I have a lot of athletes that do it once an hour, or you know, if your nutrition has enough electrolyte balance in it, mine doesn't, mine's mainly calories, um, then you can have all in one right interesting yeah sugar sugar helps every time mile yeah. 20 for mile 20 oh we i mean be. it's super cool though because if you go through pilsen i had an athlete run their first marathon i mean this is like probably eight nine years ago and she to this day remembers going through pilsen and someone some family's handing out twizzlers and she took a twizzler and it changed her whole race yeah somebody told me yep. somebody was like at mile 20 if you're dead just drink coke Oh, Coke like, is just, amazing. He's like, just take a <laughs> yeah. regular Coke yep. Yep. and slam it. It's he's amazing. like, it's free energy. Yeah, it is. I mean, it'll eventually, eventually burn off. Yeah. Um, but absolutely. I mean, if something looks good, take it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. It means your body yeah. is craving it. Yeah. That's an ultra yeah. trick. I mean, that's why they have the crazy yeah. freaking spreads at ultras is you go by there. And if you're looking at those potato chips and pickles, like they are the most amazing thing. And they're like soggy ass lays. And like, you're pretty sure there's dirt in the pickles, but you don't even care. Yeah, you just pop. Just eat it yeah. because your body's clearly craving it yeah yeah that's interesting it's pretty cool that we bring our bodies to that stage right yeah. where yeah. you oh, can man. decipher whoa i need that yeah, yeah. glass bottle really cold coke yeah, yeah flat is the best flatten it out flatten it out. flatten it out flatten it out i wouldn't drink bubbles oh i want yeah. the whole bubbles yeah <laughs> <Crack> the bubbles <laughs> oh wow try uh, it try it write me how it goes yeah <laughs> yeah can move your tent Coke back. is life. You can move your tent back like five miles. Yeah, and just throw it at me. <laughs> That's what, awesome. Um, so, what do you guys do for Edge on Marathon Day? Like, what should, what should people be hanging out? Mile eighteen. They're coming yeah. So we in. have. Like? So Saturday's the craziest day that we have because everybody in their or kind of comes over and pre covers, which is cool to have a space that like people use in that way, like yeah. that we can give them that like like we were talking about. Do you want to be part of the like? frenzy or do you want to be part of the chill out i would say it's kind of a blend of both right but it gives you a power of the process it makes you feel like you're doing something right yeah so that's uh we have extended hours on that saturday and then on sunday um, we shift our hours from 12 to 6 because we do the, the pop-up for cheer zone so it's funny because sunday is like the fun day it's not actually the craziest day yeah. so we get there early um we bring our really old Jeep Wagoneer and stuff it to the... Actually, we have now we have so much crap that we have to have two cars. <laughs> I forgot about that. We need to ask someone to drive the second yeah. one. Um, and we have a tent, and my husband at rear rents bigger speakers. He claims he needs to buy them this year. I don't think that's happening. Sorry, Brian. Um, and then one of our employees is our DJ. So Kelsey Offner, DJ Kelso, which is funny because she's from DJ Michigan, Kelso. but when she DJs, it's with a British accent. And you every, need your stage presence. <laughs> You need it. Yeah, it's like a stage, and everyone yeah, it's a stage thinks she's person. British. It's awesome. 
<laughs> it cracks us up. People will come up and be like, where are you from, mate? And she's like, Michigan. And they're like, what? <laughs> but she started doing this like three or four years ago. Where she Survive. Started, she's got it. Oh, she yeah. does. And she she's really good at music stuff. And it's cool because, you know, I think the tracker only tracks 10 or 20. I don't remember how many. So we keep having to give our phones to her because she literally tracks every single person to know when they're coming in. Uh, so that she can put their song on. And she nice. just has them all spread out. Yep. That's um, awesome. She's, really yeah, cool. she's into it. So we do, and of course, I don't even, I haven't looked at our event lately. I'm going to guess, I don't know, we'll have anywhere from like 25, 50 people there. Really easy to get to because we have to be able to get out, yeah. right? So there's like a parking garage. It's awesome. Um, and then we've got like lime green wigs, lots of cowbells. I bought vuvuzelas that say do epic shit on them, um, mm, the which we keep ever. using those inside at edge and scaring people. Things haunt my They're so dreams. loud. So, so loud. Ha- anybody that's yeah. ever played soccer, yeah, they know about yeah. I know. It's meant to sound like an elephant. Um, and then we will probably, we open at noon, so we have to be back by then, but not unpacked or anything. And then eventually people just start kind of trickling in. Yeah. Sunday really is the day that it's mainly people that like really know our brand or our, our members or our heavy, heavy users because they're going to make the effort to come there and they know the importance of trying to hit it same day. They're not going to like stay downtown and drink beer, uh, beer all day. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but you know, yeah. <laughs> we close at six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it's just so special like to see people come in, good, bad, or ugly. And then if, if they did have a bad race, it's cool because there's mm-hmm. someone there to uh-huh. kind of talk them through it and that person has been through it too. Just like life, right? You have good days, yeah. you have bad days. And it's just, again, they have each other's backs, which is awesome. And, and there's always something to be learned, good, bad, or ugly. Um, and then we'll probably crash every year. We're like, we can try to do something after. And then we're like zombies that can't yeah. even communicate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's probably it for Sunday. Uh, I'll go to bed really happy. It's just, it's the biggest day of the year, period. So it's just awesome to see the city come together. And there's always like something amazing that you see out there. Yeah. And it's so funny that everyone sees something different. Yeah. And it's just that moment, too, of when they come by us that they depend on us to be there. And the fact that people just show up and they, they almost act like it's like a magnet, right? They just have yeah. to get to 18. And it, it's, it's that's good nice, mile that's mile nice to, to know to that you're that deep. Yeah. yeah I thought totally. everybody was going to be, you know, close because mm-hmm. Edge is a little bit northwest. Yeah, so, like, yeah. you could we easily just side. go straight yeah. east. Yeah. you and stay up we north, just own the corner you're only... so you're not gonna miss it <laughs> yeah <laughs> every year we have to like pay off the the police not really but we have to explain to them we're gonna pop up right here we won't be over the median right because yeah. we're definitely infringing a little bit on the course but that's okay <laughs> it's yeah, worth it but it's nice it's all in good fun yeah, your little hype station <laughs> yeah i need it at 18 i'm gonna be craving it yeah <laughs> oh, man. you're gonna hear it starting around 16 and a half that's the good news because the dj's up <laughs> yeah tell kelso to freaking i'm, I'm, I'm thinking myself. rank the jams yeah. <laughs> i'll let her know Frank, her i want now. that to drown out my book on tape so kelso if you For one hear mile. this drown out my book that's on gonna tape. be her claim to fame as a dj yeah. I drown out books on tape. Yeah. <laughs> I like what you say on tape. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I tell someone that, they kind of look at me like, what Mm-mm. is wrong with you? No, we hear that a lot. Um, I think it's important for people to find their flow states, especially living in a big city. So yeah. I, I think that podcasts and, and audiobooks actually help us yeah. get there faster or running in nature, right? Whatever that is. Yeah. Get me in the zone. It'll get there. But you're going music. Yeah, I'm going to go music. Chill at the start and then ramp it up probably like right after that. Yeah. I, do, I do nothing. Yeah, interesting. All serious runners do nothing. Well, I think I think I'm gonna start wait, wait, with wait, nothing, wait. and if I need it, it's like it's like the caffeine thing. It's like yeah. the fuel. It's like if I need freaking Alesso in my ear for ten right, miles straight right. on repeat, 
it's going clarity. down. You're yeah. Clarity on. Yeah. Just over and over. <laughs> yeah. So. How many times can I get through this song? Yeah, a lot. And actually, it's funny. That is like, that is a really good trigger to trigger flow state. Is find a song that matches yeah. sort of your like resonance, Cadence, yeah. and then just repeat it yep. over and over yep. and over. Same song oh, on repeat, song. no blend, or just crossfaded over so it never yep. stops and finishes. Yeah. So there just is no end to it, and it literally just extends the life of your flow state for as long as like you can handle it. I have one song that I listen to, so I, I turn on the same playlist every time I get on a plane to prime oh. work that I do. Oh, yeah. Um, and I have one if I'm going to go to sleep and one if I'm going to work. That makes sense. And the one, the playlist I have on it, uh, that I was starting to work, the, I added a song to it and it was new. So I put it on repeat and I pressed play and landed and it was still playing. Whoa. I just never noticed that. That's cool. It was a flight to L.A. Yeah, so long, Almost long. four hours. Yeah. And I just yeah, never I even noticed yeah. I had music on. It just kept playing. Over and over and over on repeat, and I just jammed the whole time. Looked up, we were landing. You're like, oh, here I am. I was like, wow, okay. got a lot of work done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did that study for calculus in college too. I remember the song. It was the Phones remix of the song. I gotta find it. Maybe I'll run to that. It's a good play. Try it this weekend. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Last Any other uh, last tidbits of advice for a marathon? Yeah. Man, I mean, I just, I'm an eyes wide open person. So I love The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. I love that book. And I think that. This is my other book on audio. Yep. Right yep. It's great. <laughs> I thought you're reading all the good stuff. Yeah, I all your books. There's a concept in there, which is the main concept, which is the one thing that you're entitled to is suffering. Yeah. And I think that, um, and I, it's the same speech that I give to our edge runners, too. Like, I, I think as you toe the line, you need to embrace the fact that you're not entitled to a time. You're not entitled to it feeling good. You're not entitled to, you know, seeing your people when you say it. You're, you're going to see your people. You're not entitled to running a straight line. You are entitled to it being hard as hell and for it to hurt. And it's what we do with that suffering that defines us as athletes and as people. And there's a lot of power in tone. It, it sounds so dark. Like, I remember reading it and being like, well, that's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a terrible outlook on life. And then it was, like, under my skin, and I kept thinking about it, and I'm like, no. It's the opposite. It's positive. Because if you assume that the one thing you get, the one thing you are entitled to, is suffering, everything you do to manage that suffering is seen as a win. Yeah. And... For me, that is like the most powerful thing about endurance sports or life in general or owning a small business, right? Whatever it is, if you go into it knowing it's going to be hard as hell, then you have power over the process. And then all of a sudden you start looking at all the things you're doing right versus all of the things that aren't going right. Because you already knew they weren't going to go right, right? Yeah. You already accepted Just that. Like Murphy's. You already accepted it, it before you started. And I think that... It, if people can wrap their brains around that, um, then then everything falls into place. And we see it all the time with athletes. So they finish and they're really um, upset that they didn't do what they thought they would do. And all of a sudden, when they have the new mindset of the fact that it's going to be hard, then they can manage it, yeah. right? You're calm about it. You're like, oh, my foot hurts. Let me wiggle my toes. Figure out my, my lacing system, right? Or, man, I'm kind of emotional. I kind of want to cry. What the hell, right? Oh, sugar. Let's pop in a pop in a drop. See if that helps. So it just gives you power over that process. So the one thing you're entitled to is suffering. I stole it. You ready? I'm nervous. Ready to suffer. I'm <laughs> ready to suffer the hardest yeah. of our suffering. Yeah. But like, how amazing is elective suffering? 
right? That's that, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's that's exceptional. It. Without yeah. it, you have no pressure to do anything. Right. Yeah, I mean, you, you can no post through anything. anything. And I think yeah. that there's a lot, like, we talk a lot about, like, when you get home and look at yourself in the mirror, like, just know that you did your best. Yeah. And it, when, especially adults, when adults pay to do this and train for 18 weeks and electively suffer alongside each other, that is a big deal. That's a really big deal. And as, as selfish as it could look, it's actually pretty amazing and selfless when it's executed in volume like that, right? You're, that's, yeah. That's what awesome. I think the most humbling thing is because after my injury la- at the beginning of last year, I didn't really start running like multiple miles in a row until the end of June, July, which is probably mm-hmm. a couple months ahead of schedule for the surgery that I had, but the first race was November. I did a 5K. Right. Turkey trot. And it went well, but that's the distance I like. Right. So it was going to go well. Playing to your strengths, right? And then after that, I ran all winter. Brett and I's schedule is like for running pretty much doesn't match match up very well. So I ran almost all winter alone in the ice. Yep. In the rain. um, In the negative 10 for Shamrock. And not all of those went well. Yeah. I mean, and that, I think the duration of suffering shows you consistency. It shows you um, that long-term consistency, especially obviously for endurance sports, is much more potent than yeah. short-term intensity. And that peaking for race day is really just an accumulation of suffering over time and managing that. Yep. Because for some people, it just breaks them. Yep. And that's what just like being soft is. It's just like giving in to that suffering and not knowing how to deal with that. Sometimes that's just asking for help. Like if you need a coach, if you need a recovery home, right. if you need a social circle, if you need, if a, team. You need yeah. a team, if you need personal time to listen to music or a vacation or whatever that is. But I think returning back to the point where you're like, okay, here we go again, yep. over and over and over. And to your earlier point, the management of recovery is really shown in the like brilliance and success of you performing well on the day it's like that's what race day is just a validation of all your hard work it wasn't like oh i accidentally got in shape and i just happened to run a marathon and it felt great the whole time it's like no probably also in your marathon you're going to have those little moments so you better have had experience dealing with the shit because it's not going to feel good for 26.2 that's why you want to have those shitty long runs too like when people have a shitty long run especially because we tend to write like 18 20 22 19 20 22 something along you have three of them we really only need one of them to go well. I only had one good one. Yeah, great. And it was That's all you need. my 16 miler. I had a 20, I had a 19 and a 21. They both sucked. But it, I also did the first 21 miler at altitude. So there was a variable there, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's just troubleshooting. So it's yeah. like, well, why did it suck? Was yeah. it nutrition? Was it gear? Yeah. Was it yep. the fact it was that hot. I wasn't recovered? Yeah. Was did you have no altitude. oxygen? Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. yeah. So now just so think how much better a race day will feel. Right? Oh, if we it's 50 those. degrees, if it's anything less than 75 and 190% humidity. I want to look at this weather. I, I actually don't. don't I, actually, I heard this morning it looks good. Sunday and Monday look really nice. I don't. Next week looks perfect every day. It's 51 to 61. I don't care how cold it is. I don't care it doesn't cross a 70 degree th- actually yeah. I don't even care oh, 70 degrees but sunny just, and 64 that would be good yeah 0% chance but at 7.30am it'll be, be like 55 you know what I say that's fast that's fast weather but we'll just it's okay we'll keep monitoring it doesn't matter you've trained it at all it's I've trained in hail ice yeah. the, the concrete covered in ice negative 10 I did a mile at negative 50 nice. that was a personal achievement 
one of the few. Right, and, and you have to. Though. I got asked recently to. last week in an interview about, you know, what is it about Chicago runners, and and I was just like grit. Period. Yeah. There's just one word because if especially people who go out like, outside year round like we do, right? Yeah. Like all the time. It's just it says something about yeah. you in the dark. I mean, this morning we began and ended our speed run in the dark. Yeah, it was in the, the dark. sun was not up. Yeah. yeah. By the time we finished. And that says something about mm-hmm. you as an athlete. It means you're gritty AF, right? Yeah. And and again, people can go home and shower and look at themselves in the mirror and be like, I, I did that, yeah. right? You're I, already I did good. That. I love saying when I teach an early class to or have an early climb, like you're up working, everyone else is still sleeping. Yeah, everyone's still sleeping. Yeah, there's just, there's a decision to, to again, like be a better person, yeah. right? And also you woke up in the dark to chase something. What yeah. is that thing? Yeah. Right? Is it a better you? Is it a thinner you? Is it a faster you? Is it a, a you that can handle your work better? But something in you is is driving you to get here in the dark. So what is that? Yeah. yeah. Take that with you. Yeah, take it with you. Put that in your pocket. Put it in your pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Not right, actually write that down. <laughs> Big pockets. Actually write that down. Yeah. yeah multiple oh, I pockets. should say I'm really superstitious for race day. So when you come by edge beforehand, I will shove these little chimney sweep stickers that we have. Oh, I'm actually wearing mine today. That's even better, which is a good luck charm. Um, and we put them, people put them on their bibs or they put them on their garments. Super superstitious. Like crazy. You better wear a freaking chimney sweeper if you're coming in on Friday or Saturday. I'm going to give it to you and ask to see it. And the other thing is if you see a pug on the race course, good luck. It's good yeah. luck. It's good luck. <laughs> yeah, and the more you see, it just keeps accumulating, yeah. right? <laughs> um, and and rollerbladers, too. Swag. It's so funny. Like, and like our runners bug. will be like, I saw three pugs on my long <laughs> run. I'm like, how was the run? They're like, it was great. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, they get see it. I planted them out yeah. there. I saw none, <laughs> and it sucked. I have all. No, but they never you say that. It's only if it's a good one, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They only see, or they see it, and they're like, oh, my, my luck's going to change. Yeah. Right? So um, I think it's important to have those little nuggets that you Let's look for, too. Let's make a million of those. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. fun, and then no, you get to count good. them. Or, like, I had a long run in the winter once, and I was like, all right, you guys are going to count. This is when beards were really in. I was like, you're going to count how many guys in beards you see, and then, like, <laughs> we gave a prize to the people that counted them. Up. That's <laughs> awesome. Right? It's just something. Yeah. Little, those little games we play. Oh, yeah. Good we, luck, yeah. games. You need them for three hours. You just play a game. Yeah. That's all it is is yeah. one big mental yeah. head game. Yeah. It is super cool, though, To I would say for your first, like, obviously it'll hurt, but it also be prepared for parts of it to go so fast. Like, yeah. all of a sudden, you're like, whoa, an hour went by. Did I eat? Did I drink? Like, what happened? Um, yeah. Because this doing it on your own is one thing, but when you are uh, just sailing among the city and these neighborhoods are just picking you up yeah. and delivering you to the next neighborhood, it almost feels like that sometimes. Yeah. Like, yeah, there will be... I love that. It's, it's totally it, though. You, like, city you ride a tidal totally wave it. and then you're yeah. coasting, and right as you're coming down, you're hitting another hood. And... There is just something really magical about that. We have so many runners that keep coming back to Chicago for that reason. Yeah, I've heard that from multiple yep. people that have run multiple marathons. They're like, Chicago is the greatest crowd, yep. the course, the layout, the way in which you interact with people. Yep. Like, I'm always Chicago the most proud. Chicago is just an amazing city in general. Yeah. I'm That's... the most proud to be a Chicagoan on Marathon Day, period. There is no better day. Yeah, I think the only bigger turnout they've ever had for, can you guess it? Only bigger turnout than Marathon Sunday that they've ever had in the city. Uh, oh yeah. World Series. Yeah. Parade. That's it. Yeah. Right. That's the only thing bigger. Yeah. And that only happened once. We get this once yeah, a that's year. Yeah, that's a hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right. Come you. out of our holes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Parade this once every year. 
<laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> but it is so true, though. Like, we've done enough things in front of people, like played big sports games, yep. done enough races, like running in front of people and with other people, against other people. Yep. It's just intoxicating. It is. You got to yes. learn to like that. Because if you don't like that, obviously, you're just going to crumble. But, but man, we can, like, it, it's so cool to hear, you know, the stories of who bonds and where. Um, I mean, we have um, women on the Windrunner team that they've, they've met because... They're literally like on the line of Chicago last year, and they were like, "Hey, what pace are you doing? What pace are you doing?" And they ran the entire race together, never knowing each other. Yeah. And well, now I'm, the now the other one just got brought onto the team, which the, is awesome. Which is, I, I mean, that's like the ultimate referral. Yeah. You run with someone like you're honoring the sweat bond. You don't even know them yet. Yeah. yeah. So well, that's what cool. we do. Yeah. With with track, there's a couple guys that are doing a similar pace, so hopefully going to be yeah. somewhere around them. But we were thinking about just sitting on. There's a three hour pacer. You should sitting Use on that guy's hip, pacers. sitting on that guy's hip until yep. the last 10k, and then if we feel good, just, just like go. gas yeah. it. And yeah. so talk to the pacer on, on to that point. That's a great call. Talk to the pacer ahead of time. Make sure they're gonna. I'm sure they will. The Chicago Pacers are completely have to prove so much to have that job. Yeah. But make sure that you understand what their progression plan is, um, and absolutely stick on them because running in the group is going to save you energy too. So anytime you encounter like those windy corners, instead of having to find someone to run behind, you're already going to have people to run behind. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And the crowds go wild for the groups too. Yeah. Yeah. That's my, that's kind of my, I just plan. Want to that's kind of my current plan. I know. Just well, transport. 12 more days. Between now and then you can come to edge. Yeah. Get some. Just wasting time. Recovery. Just give me there. Pug love, you know, all of the dogs. <laughs> The dogs are restorative to me, for sure. They're very important. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's the they're number very, one very recovery important. tool that they have. 100%. We get in trouble when they're not there. Yeah, people yeah. come for the dogs, 100%. Yeah. They're, like, they're never like, where were you, Robin? They're like, where are the pugs? And I'm <laughs> oh, like, Thanks, You got guys. invited to a baby shower or something on Sunday, and my wife was like, they have three dogs, and showed me a picture of the dogs, and I was like, I'm in. Right, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> I can do I'm that. In. Right, Tree, you walk in, pockets full of trees. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't really think I'm coming for the baby, but I'll go for the dogs. <laughs> baby can't talk, the dogs can snuggle with me, so I go for the dogs. I'll be busy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what else you guys got? <sighs> oh, man. I could, we could sit here for six hours. <laughs> Just talk me down on all my, off all my fears. Yeah. What's your feeling about caffeine? Have you used it? And yeah. Like, during? Yeah, during, yeah. and I actually eased off it. So I've, I've had a bunch of, um, like, my stomach gets really upset mm-hmm. from the sugar because yep. I don't really eat that very yeah, often, especially it. not mainlining something yep. that potent in. So it's always caused me a bunch of issues, not during the race, but after. Yeah. I feel like I'm getting food poisoning, but I don't have any of You're the just symptoms. Like it's just like my stomach is just in knots, and it doesn't go away for a while. And then I realized I think it was the combination of what I had eaten the night before, overloading on uh, maybe a little bit of fiber, but also I think just not timing the caffeine delivery well. I think it was too much at the beginning and not enough dosing during rather than like basically starting with none and having like almost the first dose of caffeine hit as the first four to five miles of the race are wearing off. Because that's like, that's what the most people are in the first like 10 miles, I would you have don't to need imagine. It. You don't need it at the beginning. Yeah, I would, um, to back up a little bit though, if, if you've used caffeine successfully, 
race week, I w- or even like starting now, I would actually reduce. Yeah, I'm as off. I just I'm all, I just yeah. finished a coffee, <laughs> so I'm not racing, so I can still drink it. But we do see people reducing and have some success reducing the amount of caffeine they're taking so that they have an extra sensitivity. Oh to yeah, I just did that yeah. last Great. week. I cut it all out, yep. and then I took oh, it on um, Sunday morning, yep. but only a little bit, yep. and it went great. And yep. went great, and then I've reduced it back this week. Yep. I'm going one day on, one day off. I'll probably stop it entirely till next Sunday, and then start that one day on, one day off. Cut it out for yep. four days, and then do it again. Yeah. So I kind of have my little plan. Down. Yeah, yeah, and I would start it. I mean, ten miles in or so, um, and just have it in your pocket to use it. Yeah. Right, because then it's a lot. Would more you have powerful. any like when you wake up? I mean, personally, yes, I always would, but I don't think I can make it, like, out my front door without coffee safely. But I don't need that much. I just need, like, a half a cup, and then I'm good, right? I'm not, like... Just smell it. Yeah, I'm not doing, like, three cups, right? Yeah. I mean, this is... Well, that actually is kind of a lot of coffee today, but generally speaking, I don't need that much, yeah. But for me, I do caffeinated salt pills, so I'll use for the front half of a race. I'll just do regular, and then on the back half, every third one, I'll do a caffeinated one, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And yeah, it's not even. Goo, yeah, I'm not a big caffeine guy, so I'm just. Then don't use it. No, because you can also have like GI issues from yeah. it if you haven't tested it. So don't just yeah. do it to do it, but it can absolutely be an effective tool. It's also yeah. pretty, I mean, it's going to raise your heart rate a little bit, right? Yeah. But it is absolutely able to vasodilate you, which is yeah. pretty cool too, right? If yeah. it works, it really works. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. You just don't overdo it. Yep. Mm-hmm. So your heart doesn't start racing. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I do like it in pill form because then it controls the yep. dosage. Or the gum. Like in coffee, you're just kind of like, eh. Yeah. Shoop. Yeah. Oops, yeah. <laughs> I actually have 400 milligrams. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> what, um, what do you, what about um, food? I know this is also deeply personal, but like maybe just for you mm-hmm. before a race, like what are you eating the two days before? And then what, like specifically the morning of probably? Yeah, my, my load is almost always sweet potatoes. It's, it's just really easy for me. I don't do a lot of carb pasta in general. and I'm, I'm lower carb um, as an athlete, so not low, but I'm not. 350, 500 grams a day. I'm like, you know, 150, maybe 200. Um, so sweet potatoes and fruit are probably the biggest, the biggest sources for me. Um, and then just eating regularly the day before and then morning of, um, I mean, it's a weird one, but I'll do like fruit and nuts and full fat Greek yogurt because I get hungry, especially for ultra distance stuff. I will yeah. get freaking hungry if I don't have enough fat. So, yeah. um, so having like a full fat dairy in there for me is is gonna help really like satisfy that. Yeah, and it's just easy for me to digest. Yeah, when you were going from, did you do a marathon before you did an ultra? Oh yes, yeah. And then did you do an Ironman before you did an ultra? Yes. When you moved from marathon to a ton of volume for an iron into an ultra like single sport race mm-hmm. was that just running or have you done biking too so just the running like how has food changed and then how is your idea of like how you weave full kind of training in from your speed stuff into the long stuff into how you recover like when you're when you're starting to amp up the mileage how has that worked for you because I think it was something that I had taken from a bunch of ultra people um moving from basically no base mileage right. into marathon training was almost as big of a jump yeah, yeah. as somebody going from marathon training into to ultra. ultra training. So I was just listening to I like think, kind of that ramp strategy. Yeah, I think um, from a food perspective, I, I do think the triathletes are, they're just higher in calories and, and carbs than than ultra runners. Ultra runners, I mean, it's not to say that they're carb averse, but they don't, they usually don't eat three to 400 calories an hour like Ironman do on the bike, right? I mean, I remember like, 
my goal was like almost 400 calories an hour. And like, that's just crazy, right? I'm not that's a big insane. person. What are you actually eating? Then? That's mainly like liquid that yeah. would have, um, like, like that just have a load. No, they're like powders that uh, you can add in that have a heavier carb source. source. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. Some smoke. people eat like they have like freaking PB and J's in their back pockets though. Right. Um, so ultra for me is, I mean, I'm a lot lower an hour. I'm like hundred to 200 an hour, maybe. Um, but I wouldn't always recommend that for people. I just don't personally need a lot. I need, I need to always be on my electrolytes and my fluids. So that's, I know that that's my, that's my, my ticket, right. Is that yeah. I have to be clean on that. And then I can actually absorb the food I am taking in a lot better. Um, from a training standpoint, Man, I mean, it does creep up. I, you know, your intense becomes less intense. So, like, ultra stuff, you're not doing mile intensity almost never. Maybe if you're, like, throwing in some strides or something, but it's never going to be, like, quarters at mile. Um, you're going to absolutely do more inclines because yeah. – and hopefully figuring out a way to do declines, whether that's, like, on Cricket Hill or on a parking ramp. Um, <laughs> you know, whatever it is you can do to quad load responsibly and, and really practice that footing. Oh, well, you have to. You have know, to. Because totally you, you know who's from the Midwest in an ultra yeah. because they're trying to come down and they're breaking every – and I'm like, lean forward. But they don't have that that yeah. that appropriate load and unload and they're just trying to pick footing and not go ass over end. <laughs> we learned that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hammer totally. the downhills. Yeah, yeah. Bye-bye toes. Bye-bye toes. Flat row, yeah. flat, yeah. Um, your recovery stuff stays the same. I would say your your midweek probably goes up quite a bit. So, like, your long, steady runs, you know, go up to double digits pretty quickly. And then, of course, your long run on the weekend usually gets split into two. There's, mm-hmm. you know, really moving more than three hours on in a day. Well, on road is not advisable, but on, on trail you can do four-plus pretty easily um, because the impact is just so much less. And then it's just less intense. So you do back-to-back. So they call those sandwiches. So like a 50-mile yeah. peak would be like a 30-mile on Saturday and something like a 20-mile on Sunday. Yeah. And you just try to do that within as close as possible within a 24-hour period. Yeah. yeah and then your body thinks that it did 50, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's all you needed to think. And then recovery doesn't change. I mean, if anything, I would say, you know, making sure that people recover before or between those two big ones and then after the second one yeah. um, and then anytime they feel garbagey because they're just they're having to reproduce cells at twice the rate their bodies normally do so you know that gets a little tricky but they're just going to feel garbagey for a while yeah it's just the rule it's not to say run through injuries right but you're going to have that overwhelming fatigue in those final build phases yeah, yeah. what's a nice like um, stepping stone like obviously Chicago is a great road marathon mm-hmm. it's flat the weather is normally yep. cooperative at least like you have a good chance of cooperative weather what's a good then like ramp race to start doing something longer are you asking because you want to do it yeah kinda. yep mm-hmm. what distance i don't know let's oh, just okay. go straight to the hundred <laughs> um i don't like doing things like mid like running yeah. half marathons to me is like if yeah. you're going to call it a half marathon, just let me do the I would marathon. always advise a 50 before a 100. And I would <laughs> like always... Like a 50-mile race yeah, yeah, sounds yeah. better than yeah. a, a half 100-mile race. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, I let's would, run a half 100. I would always advise a 50-mile race in general. And I also think anyone going for 100 should crew and pace 100 before they do 100 because I think that there are some really, really big cues to, to pick up on in terms of what you would need as a runner at that yeah. distance. Um, 
depending. You see some gnarly stuff. Yeah. Well, you just need to know mentally how to how to motivate people and what resonates with you and what doesn't, yeah. right? And it's also, again, to your earlier point, like it's a beautiful, selfless act to pace someone, and, mm-hmm. and it's awesome when you can help them literally one on one achieve their goals. So that's a prerequisite of mine for my athletes. Um, I would get for your first marathon. I would honestly give you at least two weeks off of no running after that because you will never be more sore than what is going to happen on after October fifteenth. Yeah. Never. A- any other marathon after that will be less sore than what you're going to do because you've never done that before, right? So your body's going to go to the the line. Um, I would probably give you a month before I give you a double digit run, and then and then I w- if you're going to do an ultra, I would start putting you on trail for all of your long stuff. I would not take you back to road. And I would not anticipate doing a 50 four or five months after that. Yeah, you can't just use that intense of a, of a road deposit into, which is your first road deposit, into a first ultra Straight deposit. Iron yeah, it would be. Like just do it the next yeah, day. Yeah, he'd been doing that for a long time. Yeah, that's the difference. <laughs> Don't <laughs> idolize him. <laughs> well, and there's also an intensity level there, right? Like yeah. we have athletes that are running Chicago as a training run for 50 or 100, yeah. but they're running it, they're not racing it. And yeah, there's a big yeah, difference there. Totally. There's totally. a difference there because they're truly aerobic the whole time. They're putting in fluids, they're feeling good, they're not going to the line. Your intention with this, I believe, is to go to the line. So, yes. so going to the line. We're yeah. going to the line, the so limit, the end. So stay there. Stay be at the dark line. Dark holes and hopefully a big, bright, shiny finish. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it'll be there. It'll yeah. be there. We were talking about doing handstands coming across the finish line. If See it, how if you feel. You might need it for your legs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you like 20 meter. Yeah. Are you guys going to run together the whole time? Jet. I think we're gonna I'm try. try it. Yeah. I think. Well, yeah. I think. I think we're just gonna hang in like a group. I, I yeah, actually the, think we're gonna do start. like a decent enough yeah. group of people that are now kind of running around yep. our pace. Yep. Where it's just gonna be like everyone's just kind of in their own little area, yeah. but you just have a nice little like, okay, this person's yep. with me. Yep. Totally. No, I think. Yeah. I think. Uh, yeah. It was interesting. I've done all, every race I've ever run. I've always just gone on my own. I just yeah. Like being on my own. But for this one, I'm Level. like, I need it just to hold me back. Yeah. Every other race I've run, it's like well, I can run fast the whole time. And you're also going to figure out too that if you're together and whether you end up running together or you're running with someone else next to you, when, when one person's down, the other person will be up. And that mm-hmm. is that's the most beautiful thing. Yeah. Is that it? Just the energy starts to starts to have yeah. that happen where you don't feel good at the same time. And that is the power. Man. Yeah. That's yeah, the power. Yeah, that's a good point. Because you're going to be able on, to... Remember that one yep. run we had where that was like that? Where yeah. I was like, I feel like shit. And, yeah. and that made you. me feel better. Yeah. And then he's and then like, I, you know what? Because I, I was like, this yep. is my turn to go. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good point. Well, yeah, you just you're just you just outsource the motivation. That's why I like the pacer. I'm like, dude, I'm gonna put all of this mental strength yeah. to get me yeah. on pace to yeah. 20 miles. Just on that guy's shoulders. Yeah. See you later. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's just gonna be like if if we feel good, then that's where yeah. you're gonna go either you're way faster out. or yeah. And I, I have out. yeah, just chill until yep, it's yep. The thing is though, for that first twenty miles, it's yeah. not hanging out. Yeah, it's well, not chilling. <laughs> it's not chilling. You're so like, we're doing eight thirties, and I'm, yeah. like, oh, I'm gonna rip a seven. It'll be progressive. Oh. Yeah. It'll All right. Well, um, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for coming. Nuggets. In. We'll nuggets. Got, yeah, we gotta. Uh, we'll definitely follow up and uh, probably be an edge. Shortly, yeah. need it for sure. We're open till nine for some pugs. Um, yeah, for the pugs. But yeah, just thanks so much for. Of for course, thanks for by. having me. Yeah, um, I'm so excited for race day. Yeah, it's gonna be unreal. Mile eighteen. Very pumped. Can't wait. Listen for the British accent. <laughs> DJ Kelso, we're relying DJ. on you. Yeah. This is on your shoulder solely. Awesome, kick thanks ass, so much, guys. Robin. Yeah, thanks, Robin. <laughs> Bye.